Phoenix Overlook Pop Culture. All right. Um, welcome to episode 64 of this podcast. Um, 63, for those of you who are on YouTube, you, you get to see this first. Um, so, uh, so basically... Um, next next week you'll 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 hear a guest a guest um, on the podcast Phil Wesley who who commented on who of course commented on GamerGate and what have you um, from his perspective covering um, video games for a very long time. So in this episode, which um, reminds me of the N sixty four for whatever reason, but um, we. Um, we haven't talked about this company in a while, and they've t- they've taken quite a beating as of late, haven't they? they? Well, I think for most of their history, they've taken a real big beating, especially by Intel. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, we're talking about the underdog chip maker, AMD, Advanced Micro Devices. Um, uh, like... I, I and I've I've had both both systems from Intel, AMD. Um, I think I, yeah, I, I've I've also had a system at one point with a Via processor in it too, which which is I eventually got rid of it or gave it away to somebody, which I if memory serves it wound up in a dumpster at some point. So I'm like. I should have kept it, but honestly, it, um, Via's processors were pretty underwhelming, so <laughs> to say the least. But so AMD's like the number two chip maker, and without AMD, uh, Intel's prices would for their products would probably be even higher than they are now. Uh, so, so competition's a good thing, right? Especially in, especially in the process market, um, that's that's what Intel's biggest uh, share of what they uh, what they make is from is from the processors. And to kind of comment on the fact that if we didn't have competition, Intel's prices would be ridiculous. Personally, I think they're bad enough as it is, but uh, I'll give you a, a an example. Uh, one of their current Core i7 processors, like basically almost high-end desktop processor, is I think around $300. If you want to get the highest-end desktop processor, even from probably five, six years ago, as long as I've been following this, it's been at least $1,000. And from about that time, they've been six cores. Um, so it's, it's pretty ridiculous. And it would be even higher than that if if uh, AMD wasn't in the in the game, yeah, the Core i7 4770K, which is currently I think the highest you can get, is three hundred thirty four dollars. So, uh, so yeah, they they've they've always had to compete with Intel. Um, Word from from what I understand, word of mouth has been their biggest biggest asset. Hey, this is a lot cheaper than 
Intel and pretty comparable. And they they've you know they've they did they started out from reverse engineering their stuff and and everything else. And it was it was and was ultimately Intel not being able to trademark numbers. They couldn't trademark x86. They couldn't tra trademark 486, 586, etc. So they went with they started going with Pentium, right? Because you can trademark a word, you can't trademark a series of numbers, as it was ruled in the courts. So that's where that's where all that stuff came from. And AMD followed suit with Athlon, Duron, Simpron, etc. And then they they had their fusion Bobcat, Bulldozer, Vishra, Hondo, and and they're they're they've all they're even getting into the ARM architecture. Uh, so here's where they're at right now. Um, I last I read their stock was two dollars seventy cents a share. Um, they have a new they have a new CEO, um, Lisa Su, and of course they're because of Wayland issues uh, with GNOME three, um, their Catalyst driver will not work in GNOME three for whatever reason. It's not just a Fedora issue, it is also a Debian issue as well because of it's a GNOME three it's a GNOME three problem and since Catalyst mainly works with say X.org as opposed to Wayland, the the proposed fix for it is you have to recompile GNOME three without the Wayland code in it. Which most people are not going to be willing to do anyhow. So, and and open drivers are not always an option for some people who want specialized features on their portables. So, and you've you've had problems with GNOME three yourself, I take it. I've had, I've had some issues with GNOME three in the past, uh, not on the AMD device that I have. The desktop I'm currently using to speak with you guys is completely AMD <laughs> because I'm an AMD fan. I'm a fan of the underdog. Throw punches if you want to. I don't care. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm a fan of AMD. I, I don't think I've ever ran GNOME 3 on this machine, maybe in virtual machines, but that shouldn't be an issue. Um, I know on the Linux side of my desktop, which I'm not currently on, I was, I think, the last episode, I remember. But... I know on that side, I do have issues with the driver occasionally, and it's it's extremely difficult to update the driver because oh, yeah. in my case, I usually have to force an update, either right. low level in the kernel or something that I always have. And every time I upgrade the desktop, I have another problem that I have to fix. <laughs> it's usually usually a couple days time to figure it out. But uh, in terms of GNOME three, I don't think I've had any issues. Because I like I I've like Fedora they there's nobody packaging Catalyst anymore. Um, version twenty one same problem, and my hard drive is everything's freezing up. Oh crap! 
<laughs> well, that that worried me for a second. Well, I'm uh, still getting. I'm okay. You're good now. I get video feed. I'm still getting audio feed, just no video feed. And and the funny part is, I can I can see you just fine. So. So. Oh, oh Google, come on. <laughs> I've got multiple hard drives in the machine I'm using. What the my boot drive is a solid state drive, and the other is a one terabyte hard drive. So I've got a backup just in case if the solid state fails. But this is also my gaming desktop for those of you that know me. <laughs> oh yeah. So so continuing on before the whole thing goes, Kerplunk, um, Forbes. <laughs> Forbes um, has kind of a, had a forecast for returning to profitability, and I need to take a look at this again. And while while that's loading, um, while that's loading, oh, I don't care about your welcome message. Go away. Basically, what the article covers, the, the uh, synopsis of it, is it's it's focusing on their uh, earnings from quarter three of this year, of 2014, and uh, AMD should focus on uh, commercial PCs, uh, which is something they have been focusing on for the last year, year and a half, I think, uh, with a focus on uh, the server market, uh, developing uh, ARM processors for the server market. Uh, I've not had any experience with a server machine. I'd, I'd like one sometime in the future. That would be awesome. But right. right now, money is a problem for that. And you can't hardly get old server products for free. So. Oh yeah. Um, and 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 basically, it's being said they believe in their long-term growth uh, potential. It's saying its revenues increased 26% and non-GAAP EPS improved by 26 cents in the first half of the year, same compared to the same period previous year. And they reprofiled debts at lower rates, which will reduce its expense with no significant debt coming due until 2019. So, so ba basically, you know, they're you said focusing on the commercial PCs and things like that. Um, and, and they they still have they still have a um, larger presence in there. But they're also in other other markets as well, and they they mention the Xbox One, the PlayStation Four, um, Nintendo's Wii U. It, it also meant it, it's also their chips also power. <laughs> I think that was probably the best move that AMD's made in a long time. I'm not sure exactly how they pulled that off, but they basically have their hand in every next gen console that can come out that's come out in the last two years, and they're probably going to stay popular for at least five to ten years. I don't see them going out for a while. So 
AMD's locked in at least that amount of uh, income revenue just from the game consoles. And I know the PS4 sold record amounts, much more than the Xbox One did. So, and that's the one that they put a little more focus into anyway. And and in all honesty, there we were we were talking about you know next gen consoles several episodes back. We talked about both Sony and Microsoft and how AMD was going to be a big winner in all of these, and it appears they are at this point. So yeah, yeah, there there's so there's they're having some issues, and in the free and open source realm, they're. Their proprietary drivers may be having issues with GNOME 3 because they're not staying kind of up to date to, with that. But, but, but they've got other things going for them. They're they're trying to get to the server markets. They've got ARM licenses. Um, their graphics division, which we mentioned earlier, was it their their number? They're still dominant with NVIDIA over Intel, even with Intel's Iris Pro graphics, which surprisingly I haven't seen in very many systems. The only system that I've seen it in, or that I know of that it's in is one of System 76's notebooks that they sell. Intel's Iris Pro graphics, uh, one of the reasons why it's one of the best integrated graphics setups out there is because Intel did a, a weird move, honestly, with how the, the processor handles the graphics. For those of you that don't know, integrated graphics in the past used to be on the main board of your uh, your system. It was basically the north bridge of your, of your uh, motherboard. Both AMD and Intel have moved a lot of the uh, uh, features of the north bridge directly onto the processor. And one of those features is the integrated graphics. And what Intel did to make the Iris Pro graphics what they are is it basically has 128, well, I mean, I think this varies, but it has embedded uh, RAM on the processor itself. I know for one example, uh, I think for the Iris Pro specifically, it has 128 megabytes of RAM directly on the chip specifically for graphics processing, nothing else. And when you when you develop a processor like that, that takes a lot of resources, and it's super expensive, especially if you want that, that uh, like, you have level 2 and level 3 catches, which are some of the fastest uh, storage systems next to a register, which is in the processor. I won't get into the details for that. Right. But, for them to do that, that's uh, it's it's probably highly cost effective, but it was also pretty expensive to make. So it's it's one of the most interesting moves I've seen so far. Well, and, and I do t- partially take back of what I said. It's in an open source OEM system or an Ubuntu OEM system and Apple computers. That's it. That's what I've seen so far, and it's not widely popular. I know that for sure. So I was going to agree with agree with you on that because, as far as I can tell, I know System Seventy Six uses some of their machines that they've just come out with. Uh, they use the Iris Pro graphics, and then the only other thing I can think of is some Mac Pro uh, Mac MacBook Pros. It's not even on the uh, MacBook Air. 
don't think. And and I do uh, now that I look, there are some boutique ones that are doing it too. It's just one would think that it would actually actually have you know more than that, but or it would be more advertised, but it's not, which is kind of weird. I'm assuming probably because the tray price of the processor is pretty high for a mobile processor for that sort of technology. Yeah, and, and look, even looking at a Zotac Z-Box mini PC, it um, it costs about $500. So... And that's just with an Intel Core i5. <laughs> so, but um, but AMD AMD's so basic for more AMD has still has a better mindshare on graphics than Intel, even though their their graphics has been kind of steadily going up bit by bit. It's it's still outclassed by both Nvidia and AMD, and AMD AMD actually did the whole accelerated processing unit thing as well. Um, an old netbook I had, you know, was was one, had one of those processors in it. Tour had the yeah, the, um, it was like the C seventy or or the Aspire 1 722 or something like that and it had the C60 APU or yeah I believe it was C60 and then, and it had like the Radeon graphics built in and everything else but the one so they have their ARM licenses their graphics division and you spotted their their Zen architecture that they've been working on as well. Yeah, it's just uh, like I mentioned earlier. I'm a big fan of AMD. Um, uh, the system I'm on right now, it's got both AMD graphics and an AMD processor. Uh, Thomas, you mentioned this earlier. One of the one of the architectures that they had that they came out with in, um, I believe it was 2011. I think they might have been still developing it in 2010. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on this. Uh, it's, it was the bulldozer architecture. It was a major change that they had went from the, uh, let me see, what was it? Oh, I cannot remember. It was it was in their Phenom 2s and Athlon 2s, the last generation of those that, from uh, previous to the bulldozer architecture that they made. Um, the biggest change is both of them were multi-core processors, which uh, is basically in SMT, symmetric multi-threading, uh, or SMP, sorry, symmetric multiprocessing. Uh, they changed from that to uh, what they call CMT, which is like clustered, clustered multiprocessing. And uh, on the processor, you have like a level one, level two, and level three cache. You generally will have multiple cores now, and inside a core you have, an, uh, specifically in an AMD, 
uh, processor, you have like an integer core and then a floating point unit. Uh, you have things like ALUs and all kinds of other stuff that do a lot of the uh, other functions of a processor. But in the bulldozer architecture, they changed it to where you have, basically you have a module which contains what, what you would normally call a core or an integer core. And there's two of those and one module. But the module shares, the two cores in the module share your level two and level three catches or it shares the level two catch. All the cores share the level three catch. And uh, they also share a floating point unit within each module. In the processor that I have on my desktop, it's an eight core processor, four modules. So basically I have four floating point units and eight integer units. So technically eight cores, even though it's not real cores. It's the same thing like with Intel's hyper-threading technology, you have six core, you can, you can have a quad core or six core processor with, if you have hyper-threading enabled, you have like virtually eight to, or I mean 10 to, sorry, 12 to, or eight to 12 like uh, threads available. And it's a similar, similar process. It, it gets a little complicated when you look uh, low down in the system, but a top level design is, Pretty simple. I completely forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> so basically, from looking at that article, Core is back with Zen. They're they're going they're going with something that's more efficient because um, various publications from Maximum PC to others, you know, kept benchmarking boulders, and they you know found out that well. What they did was not quite good enough to go after Intel. It was, it wasn't shabby. It wasn't horrible. It was not as efficient as it could have been. Not as well done as the previous architectures, basically. So, back to the drawing board. They went and got various people from various companies. One of them being Apple. They poached somebody from Apple. <laughs> And went and got, you know, Lisa Sue and what have you. And Sue is now the new CEO. She's unfortunately getting paid less than the last guy, Rory Reed, but but um, but yeah, I I I, I you know I, I see their stock price and it's sort of like toilet paper going on sale. You gotta stock up if you're an investor. <laughs> I, I'm I'm not a full-on investor, so that's why I'm not jumping into something like that. But but they've they've got a lot of potential. It's just taking longer than people are anticipating. They're they're spreading themselves out and building a foundation because you know let's face it, desktop computers they're not going to go away, but it's not going to quite be the same either. So it's not a growing market. And um, like the Forbes article pointed out, AMD is trying to latch on to a lot of those growing markets. Like right now, they're, they're, they've acquired these uh, ARM licenses. This new Zen architecture that they're working on is going to be both based on x86 and ARM. So they're going to be able to target uh, like personal computing, um, tablets, phones with ARM. They'll be able to... Uh, well, there's there's tablets that are both x86 and ARM-based architectures, so I mean it's kind of, eh. 
<laughs> both half and half. But they'll be able to target a lot of growing markets like uh, the smartphone and tablet markets, which are still growing. They latched onto those new next generation gaming consoles, which is was, was a real big win for them. And that's going to be a growing market. People are going to continue buying more and more of those uh, things as PS3 and Xbox 360 games are going to quit, uh, not no longer be developed, and uh, Nintendo moves from the the Wii to the Wii U because you can still buy a Wii. It's now the Wii Mini, I think, or something like that, which was also based on AMD technology with ATI graphics, which AMD bought uh, years ago. So uh, it's it's interesting what's going to happen. I'm not I'm not sure exactly what will happen, but it'll be very interesting. And right right now they it's like planting the seeds and waiting for it to grow, and Wall Street getting impatient. And and I, and I've always said to myself, if I if I ever become an investor, I, I would be looking sharply at AMD if their stock price is still very very low throw some money in that and 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 wait for them to make a comeback because and plus I like the idea that they they were opening the their specifications on their older graphics cards and graphics units because uh, frankly it makes sense you if if you don't want to support older graphics cards anymore uh, why not let the people in free and open source software and do it for you. It's not a bad choice. Um, for, uh, free and open source software has uh, paved the way for a lot of things. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have what we're using right now. We wouldn't have Google Hangouts. Google bases a lot of the stuff that they have. Google Drive, uh, their uh, the entire Gmail system. Um, you're, if you've got a smartphone, if you've got an Android smartphone, that's Entirely based on open source, it's Linux based. Um, I mean, all kinds of stuff that Google does. App, you wouldn't have uh, printer drivers without Apple supporting open source software. Uh, right. Much. The only thing I can think of that really kind of has always fought against open source is Microsoft. And <laughs> and, exactly and and even now, because of their Azure platform, they're saying that they've changed their tune on the Linux now. kernel. Accepted <laughs> because they're from a business standpoint, it's got a significant market share in certain places that they're not going to be able to touch at this point, and they need streams of revenue somehow. So, uh, logic would di- dictate supporting that as well. Um, where do you see AMD heading towards in the future? Um, I think. Well, the, their target for this uh, Zen architecture, I think this is going to be a good thing for them, especially with the flop of the bulldozer and pile driver architectures. Pile driver was based on bulldozer. I, I personally have seen the bad and good side of the bulldozer architecture. I like it. It's great for gaming. For the price, it was really good. But like, if, if you're doing strictly number crunching, like if you're doing a lot of floating point stuff, it, it's going to suck because it's limited to four floating point units compared to eight energy units. With, I'm talking specifically about the processor that I have. Uh, but going back to the original architecture base that they had before Bulldozer, using SMT instead of, uh, SMP instead of CMP, 
it's going to be a good step. Um, they, they're not going to lose any ground in the graphics division, I can tell you that right now, because the graphics that they have out now, the R9, 290, and 290X series, which is the highest end that you, have, that you can get, uh, has beat the crap out of NVIDIA lately. <laughs> so uh, even, and even NVIDIA just put out their next generation 980 and 970 GTX graphics cards, which are supposed to pit right up against the 9, R9, 290, and R9, 290X. Even they can't even come up close to where the 290 and 290X sits. I mean, and, it's, it's always been neck and neck between NVIDIA and AMD when it comes to that high-end graphics. Uh, mid, Mid-level is still about the same, and then not too many people focus on the uh, low-range uh, dedicated graphics. If you're going with in- integrated, AMD has such a large grasp on the integrated graphics market NVIDIA is completely just abandoned it. I don't think NVIDIA makes any integrated graphics anymore. Like even their Tegra K1 boards that they put out recently, I think part of the graphics has moved to a dedicated chip, but it's half of it's integrated. It's, I don't know, it's a weird architecture that they have. But other than that, I don't think they have any integrated graphics. The, the Tegra processors is probably about it. And, and the la- last one that I have known of, but you know, besides their Tegra chips, is th- their Ion. Um, I completely GPU. forgot about Ion. And, and well, no, it, it's and that's been like years ago, and and now now it's and you um, you can still find systems that have the Ion graphics in them, but um, Intel and Nvidia kind of parted ways on that one, so. And and you mentioned earlier there was there, that you you saw something about you know the the manufacturing company that Apple was um, using was they were putting pressure on them to kind of not let other companies use them to fabricate chips and such as well. The one he's talking about is uh, uh, TSMC, I think it is. Yeah, TSMC, Terascale Micro. Uh, semi Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing. <laughs> Sorry, that's a mouthful. I don't know why I had trouble saying it. But both uh, Apple and Nvidia, or Apple, Nvidia, and AMD all used this company and for their uh, chip actual manufacturing process. And uh, let me see if I can find an article on that. I remember when I was looking at the. Uh, AMD Zen architecture that was coming out, I did see an article basically saying that Apple has been pressuring TSMC to not uh, to reserve all of their manufacturing for Apple and limit how much NVIDIA and AMD can produce. And because of that, along with the Zen architecture that AMD is coming out with, they are moving from using TSMC to uh, Samsung of all people to using Samsung's FinFET architecture, which is going to be based on a 14 nanometer process. Basically, the, the, the 14 nanometer or whatever n- number of nanometers, basically the die size on the processors. Super tiny. And there was a clip of headline that I spotted time to sell your TSMC stock because of Apple pressuring them, I guess. I don't know. It's just... 
So it's there. We go. That's pages loading. It mentioned it mentioned in the summary that um, through the search results that but um, yeah, this are ah, come on. One of the first things I'll do if I get a windfall of money is get get this energy efficient system to my right replaced with, with something that has a little bit more oomph and still is efficient on power. Like an AMD system that has an APU in it. But um, it, it does mention Apple putting pressure on them. Let's see, because I'm looking at, I'm trying to look at this, because they, they, this was back in July, and it said that their stock dropped nearly 5% on a Thursday. Because um, they, they, they wooed Apple for three years, according to this article, to snatch its processor chip business away from their biggest rival, Samsung. And um, I'm trying to... I'm not finding... It said it in the summary, but not in the article itself. That's irritating. I can't seem to find the article anyway. I don't even remember where I saw it. Wall Street Journal is mentioning it, or competitive pressures loom over TSMC, but but unfortunately, I'm afraid I'm I'm click the link, but I'm afraid a paywall is going to pop up. And I'm looking at this now. And they're talking about packing more power into their chips. But um, because it's mentioning Intel entering the market for mobile devices as well. And Their revenue rose because of their deal with Apple, but doesn't mention anything about um, pressure from Apple to to limit manufacturing from other companies. I honestly don't remember where I read that. I just I know for sure that AMD is moving away from using TSMC. Apparently, uh, Apple used to use Samsung for their processes and is now going to TSMC to for them to manufacture the chips. Uh, 
it, there is a headline that says NVIDIA is deeply unhappy with TSMC. TechSoda, this might be the one you were looking at. What is it? TechSoda is the website in question. Doesn't sound familiar, but I don't know. I probably looked at it. Because it's it, the headlines asking, you know, if people are waiting on 20 NM graphics cards from NVIDIA and AMD, and, and I guess it's saying... Um, It's saying don't. That's probably due to the problems that TSMC is facing. Uh, some of the problems that TSMC is facing, along with the uh, interaction between Apple, Samsung, uh, NVIDIA, and AMD. Currently, I'm not sure, so sure about NVIDIA, but I know AMD, the, the manufacturing process that they use is a 28 nanometer process. And they're moving to, they've been trying to move to get smaller and smaller. But even their their current generation cards have a 28 nanometer GPU, and I I don't know for about Nvidia. I think theirs is also 28 nanometers, but I look that up on their 980 and see what that is. Basically, wafer price. It's hiking up, and it, it in Nvidia. Let's say TSMC. One month after the Extreme Tech article was released in April 2012, an EE Times article reported that TSMC would only be offering one process at 20 nm. This was well down from their four processes offerings at 28 nm, three low power and one high performance. So it's it's TSMC was not able to deliver. So it's So it sounds like it sounds like Nvidia wasn't happy anyway and Global Foundries was being used for some of AMD's stuff too. <laughs> it a maximum PC has an has kind of a headline saying yield problems may drive Qualcomm Nvidia away from TSMC. So it's so, 
and IT World's claiming Apple made a mistake by switching to TSMC for their iPhone, basically their iPhone 6. I think that was a shot in the foot overall. Just yeah, the change in the iPhone in general. I know people for the longest time were wanting like a style of phone like the iPhone 6 Plus with the, the super big screen, like phablet design like everybody else wants. But I think Apple had a good uh, stance when they had the original iPhone. They had changed the design slightly over the years, but the screen never got any larger than four inches. Right. Up until the iPhone, I think, 5, they got it a little bit bigger than the, the 6. Just They came out with two iPhones, one completely different design than the other. So, so, so basically... Basically, um, I'm looking at this paragraph at the moment from Daily Tech. When it comes to the move away from Samsung to TSMC, it's worth noting a couple of things. First, this is just one chip. Samsung very well may be filling some of Apple's A8 AP orders, splitting duty with TSMC. Also, according to the rumor mill, it was on the verge of leapfrogging TSMC to 14NM, raising the chances that it may be back in the driver's seat for the next generation iPhone, um, 6S or possibly 7. And basically saying, if accurate, this news could be a major shakeup to a variety of industries for Android phone makers and the biggest SOC APU supplier for Android devices, Qualcomm. This could be a major disruption as Apple has tied up the stock of the best, fastest, most power-efficient process at one of the world's largest fabs. Qualcomm's leaned on this company heavily, and they may try to explore production with Samsung or even Intel at this point. Intel getting into the ARM game as well. And they may be for okay. That may be they may be forced to look elsewhere too, and and from what we were looking at, it, it may have been due to the expense problem with the 20 nm. But but Apple tends to put a lot of pressure on companies they do business with as well. So this shouldn't be a surprise. So, so it it seems more like a volume production issue on TSMC's part than anything else. But so it's so it's kind of a mixed bag. But but again, AMD AMD was using them from some of their stuff, but they were also using Global Foundries, which which they they. They initially, I guess, owned before spinning it off and going, here you go, according to the Wikipedia article we looked at earlier. I think they still use Global Founders for a lot, for most of their processors. Um, when it comes to, uh, I think, graphics and stuff like that, that's where they were using 
TSMC's process, their 28 nanometer process. Um, oh, I got a website making noise. Uh, I, did, I am reading an interesting article right now that's slightly related to the top of raw. Right. Uh, we were mentioning graphics earlier. They're it looks like they're changing the uh, RAM for the new high-end graphics by the time next year rolls around. If you're familiar with um, high-end graphics, or most graphics, even the PS4 and Xbox One, which have AMD custom boards in them, um, they currently have GDDR5 memory for the graphics memory. Uh, the new memory that's going to be coming out is called, what is it, HBM, High Bandwidth Memory, which GDDR5 has high bandwidth memory anyway, but this is a new design. Instead of having, like, uh, what, what it's called, it's like stacked DRAM. So, like, you have multiple RAM chips stacked or, or RAM sections stacked on each other. Um, compared to the previous generation, the GDDR5, one one rail or one chip is supposed to be able to produce up to seven gigabits per second of data rate, but one chip of the stacked is able to produce like up to one gig gigabits per second. But you can have multiple stacked on top of each other, and it's comparing the absolute max bandwidth overall of the chip. Uh, the new HBM stack DRAM is supposed to be able to put put out up to 64 gigabytes per or gigabytes per second, while current current generation GDDR5 can only put out 28. And also is on a lower voltage, and a couple other things. It's just really interesting. I just stumbled across this. Um, and you're specifically talking about their what they call 3D memory, right? I believe so. It doesn't mention anything about that here. Yeah, 3D stacked memory. Yeah, it's similar to. Oh. Uh, I assume it's probably similar to something else that Samsung has done recently with their. Uh, uh, what is it? 850 Evo solid state drives. They changed the uh, control uh, chip controller on it. It's got a NAND flash controller, but it's instead of uh, it being just a single controller, just a single layer. It's also a 3D stacked. Uh, design just like this RAM is. They're, they're moving to that in a lot of things, I, I assume, to save space. Because uh, Intel went with that, oh, probably two years ago when they came out with Haswell graphics, the Haswell processor. Right. Because like, cause the 3D name, um, they leaked AMD slides. Um, reported by Game Debate, so I guess they, I guess they have links to those so-called slides, talking about just that, and it's, and there's you know comments below on that. So look, so there, which is their graphic stuff. This is. This is the first of the month too that they talk about this. So this is going to be. So basically, they're, they're going to they're going to make a comeback through the back door, not necessarily the front door, and will take everybody by surprise when they least expect it. Is what I'm gathering from all of this. 
they're, they're, the entire industry is moving in a lot of different ways right now. It's, it's extremely interesting to see what they're doing, how uh, computer architecture is changing. Because uh, I, I'm, I'm taking a class right now that is called computer architecture, which focuses on like a chip design and stuff like that. So it's a lot of low-level stuff that I'll try to never explain in, in this podcast because I'm pretty sure it's going to go Sometimes it goes over my head. So, um, but I know the entire industry is changing a lot, and it's uh, part of it's to keep up with what's called Moore's law, which it's it's not a like set in stone kind of thing, but like what it is is basically the, the how computing power and everything else is going up in a in a linear fashion to keep that up. They slow like they originally they were just changing uh, the the process on the uh, uh, microprocessor, how it's made and stuff like that, being still being single core, just ramping up uh, clock speed and clock rate and stuff like that. And when they did that, that they realized that will the, all that does is that that'll cause more problems in the long run because if you have a higher clock rate and like say you have a specific thing supposed to happen, like you're doing just like a multiplication operation and it takes your clock cycle time, which is the time that it takes to complete one cycle, or one hertz, which is the frequency at which something operates in a processor. Uh, as, you're, as you ramp up your clock speed without focusing on anything else, that clock cycle time increases. So it takes a lot longer to do just a normal task. So that's that was what the problem was with the, the Pentium 4 when Intel decided, let's just ramp up the clock speed. That's why AMD kicked their butt that year with the Athlon 64 processor because the, the clock speed doesn't tell the whole story that that's also why for a long time the risk processors that Apple used in their Macintosh products uh, chug it <laughs> just saw you chugging a beverage there um, but that also explains why Apple's risk the processors from Motorola and then and then the PowerPC architecture actually did better for a time against Intel's x86 is because at the time clock speed didn't tell the full story. It was the way it had a little bit more finesse until Intel decided to do a few extra things and then bam. They basically tripped over themselves. It wasn't they didn't necessarily pay attention to their manufacturing processes. A couple of things here and there and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's a bigger story. You can get into it. There's plenty of details and stuff on it, documents and articles out there that talk about it. It's, it, was a, it was a problem that Intel, still, they're still kind of recovering from it. I mean, it, you don't see it. They won't see it. But they're, they're still, it's basically still, they were still recovering up until a couple of years ago. And now with their new processors that it seems like they don't have anything to fear, so they've not been focusing on it again. So hopefully this is AMD's chance to shoot them. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and and honestly in order in order for the computing industry to move forward, there needs to be an AMD. There needs to be competition because yeah, we have the ARM architecture, but 
even now there's still limits to the ARM architecture, and that's pure pure raw power in terms of processing. Um, they haven't quite. They're still transitioning to 64-bit in that regards. Even now, whereas the x86 has already been in 64-bit territory for years, or at least capable of it, um, even though 32-bit is still prevalent. But it's kind of moving slowly but surely towards 64. That's why you buy most of your computers from, say, a big-box retailer, even with like Windows 8 on it, you'll discover that it's a 64-bit edition of the OS itself as opposed to 32-bit, even if it doesn't have 4 gigs of RAM in it, because the processes are geared more towards 64-bit processing. It'll still run your 32-bit apps, but it's it, that, that transition, I notice, is kind of slowly but surely happening along the way. Well, um... The, the transition in, in the ARM architecture to go from 32 to 64 bit, it was a real strong move over the last probably year and a half, two years or so. And uh, now you're starting to see some phones come out with uh, that are 64 bit capable. Right. There's not really any benefit to it right now. However, moving to that process where they're 64 bit capable is going to future proof these devices, future proof your. Your, their process of making those chips to be able to support 64-bit in the future. Even and now, like right now, you can buy the new Nexus devices that just came out, the Nexus 6, the new Nexus phone. It's 64-bit capable. A lot of Qualcomm, uh, I think mine is even 64-bit capable. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. Um, I'd have to find out on my Note 3 if it's 64-bit capable or not. Probably not, but... Um, and that's why I'm, I'm assuming that's why AMD's making the moves they are now because the, the, the door's going to start closing very quickly and they've got the ARM licenses and Intel's got bit, entered the ARM market as well because e- even they're recognizing, hey, um, this, is, this is where it's at with power efficiency compared to powerful processing for mobile devices. So we'll see what happens. Um, how long do you think it would take for AMD to kind of start making like a comeback? Because their stock price kind of starting to go back up a little bit, but how long will it last? Look, I'm not sure. It's it's going to be really hard to tell. I personally think, like I mentioned earlier, I think that the step forward with this new architecture for their x86 architecture is going to be a good foundation for them to make even more steps forward. The problem is, is whether or not they're going to make, take those steps to increase their profitability and everything else. But with them branching out, and they're, they're, they have a really strong presence in the ARM market now. And they're going to be making, this Zen architecture is going to be not just x86. It's going to be uh, both x86 and ARM. I read somewhere that they're basically designing, they're going to be designing a motherboard that's capable of switching between these two different CPUs. So basically you could have like your ARM processor and your x86 processor, which is this Zen architecture, and pop it into the same board, whichever one you feel like. Uh, now, will your operating system support that? Probably not. <laughs> that That's another different discussion for another day. 
but it's very interesting, and uh, it's it's probably another step that AMD should take, and it's gonna it's gonna enable a lot of a lot of possibilities and open up tap into their potential potential that they have, and if they just stick to what they're doing, I think they're they're gonna be okay. They're gonna be uh, slowly progressing forward, but. It's not going to be something that happens overnight or something that happens quickly or anything like that because Intel has such a large presence and such, such a strong grasp of the market that they just can't bull rush and head in. They're going to have to be smart about their decisions and everything else. And, and so, so they're – Go ahead. So it's, it's a slow but sure kind of thing. Um, Honestly, I, I I'm going to go ahead and say it. I don't think the like I said I don't think the consumer PC market's going to die. At some point, something's going to come along that's going to be the next killer thing that's going to justify people having systems with eight gigs of RAM or more, and that it's going it's going to be something that anybody can do and it's going to be hot and new and whatever. It just hasn't come along yet. Um, not even with casual gaming or anything like that. Uh, in terms of casual gaming, I know there's a lot of games available for the uh, tablet that I have, the uh, Dell Venue. I've talked about it before. I've, uh, I've done a lot of work with it. I used it as basically my desktop laptop replacement in class and found out that was not a good idea. Uh, but it's it's 64-bit capable, but it's actually a 32-bit operating system because of the fact that it has 2 gigs of RAM in it. It has a 32-bit. Right. It even has a 32-bit BIOS, which is not a, not very common anymore. A lot of UEFI BIOS setups on like desktop motherboards, laptop motherboards are 64-bit capable. Right. This one is 32-bit. It was a weird setup, and that's why like I've been trying to put see if I could just run Linux natively on that tablet. But to do that, uh, I've got to jump over that hurdle of the 32-bit UEFI, which currently any uh, Linux operating system, if you have a UF, UEFI BIOS, you have to download the 64-bit version, but it won't work with a 32-bit BIOS. Oh, <laughs> so, so it's a, so, so it's a accidental lockout or something like that, or a lock-in? It's, it's complicated, that's for sure. <laughs> you're, not, you're not able to turn UEFI off on that system? No, it's, it's built in. The BIOS is UEFI only. There's no legacy BIOS support in this in this machine. So oh. that's, that's what the problem is. And it's also got secure boot, but as long as you turn secure boot off, you're you're fine. You can Okay, that's that's yeah. what I was people okay. who have successfully ran Ubuntu, but to get it installed and everything else, it's it's gonna be a massive hurdle. I know people are really trying, really pushing for it. Especially and I'd really love to do it if uh, Ubuntu Touch comes out in an X eighty six form. That'd be awesome, but only another thing. Only time will tell. <laughs> um. So, so what? What? What was the first AMD product you've owned? The first AMD product, uh, probably the. Oh no! Scratch that. My uh, parents got a PC. Uh, I think I was in eighth grade when we first got it. It had an AMD Athlon. I think it was an Athlon 64. I can't remember exactly. It's in my closet. That's that's around the time that I still had the um, Intel Pentium MMX in my room. 
but it had an Athlon 64 and an ATI Radeon, or not even Radeon, it was Mobility Express something or another 200. It was, I was trying to play Fed with the Lost Chapters on it, it didn't work so well. <laughs> really old integrated graphics that was still on the board. It had 100 gigabyte hard drive, um, 512 megs of RAM. So at the time it was it was okay, but it could have been better. But since I I didn't know too much about AMD at the time, uh, when I got into college, I started getting more and more into computer technology and stuff like that. I mean, I had a background in it, but then I bought a laptop that had an Athlon two processor clocker clocked at uh, two point two gigahertz. It had AMD integrated graphics, and then I built this custom computer. In 2012, I've had it since. This thing's amazing. It'll run almost every game I have. So, oh, for, first, first AMD product I actually had was uh, one of the Athlon XP processors, and and it was through buying you know multiple motherboards or whatever, and switching them out or what have you. And th- this is this is where I discovered that my greatest weakness was installing a processor onto a motherboard. I found out the hard way why it's a good idea to have the heatsink on the CPU. Um, the thing came off. I'm like, oh, it still works. And this this game in Ubuntu is running really, really smoothly. All of a sudden, the system just shuts off. And then I figured out what happened. The chip fried. <laughs> <laughs> the chip probably was didn't have the thermal place that applied very well. Yeah, it, the paste must have kind of went boom, <clears throat> and so the so the thing came off, and everything else. So the heat sink was no longer on there, and I was an idiot and didn't know what I was doing. Um, ever ever since I, I've I've owned variations of like. Uh, you know, from Athlon 64s to to a system with a Sempron process, mobile Sempron processor in it. Um, one previous system I had, which you know somebody else has now, um, f- you know Phenom X2, which I no longer have. Um, <laughs> so I've I, now now it's primarily well, with the exception of um, this guy right here. If memory's no, it's, this one's an Intel as well. With 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 with, with basically Radeon graphics in it, which oh, is guess, that the the one that I gave you? Yeah. So that that that's the only thing with an AMD product in it at the moment. Um, Everything else is Intel, or in this case with this desktop, NVIDIA for the graphics. Um, one of these days I will own another AMD system, probably one that's power efficient with their APU um, at some point, but right now it's not in the cards. Yeah, the, uh, a couple of years ago when I built when I built this PC that I'm using, I was debating on what what was what did I want in a PC. I wanted to be able to play video games. I knew that for sure because I'm a I'm a gamer at heart. I always have been, ever since I was like five years old. I mean, 
I played outside and stuff because my parents would get fed up and say, go outside, go play, <laughs> go do something. We're tired of you watching TV. But right. I had Atari 2600. I mean, I've, I've had all kinds of game systems and stuff like that. So I'm a gamer at heart. But I faced a real problem when I was trying to build this computer. I didn't know what I wanted. Or what I wanted. I didn't know much about uh, like building a PC at all. So I did like research for about a year. And one of my original ideas was to get an AMD A8 APU. And at the time, it was the 3870K, which was an unlocked part. I could overclock it and all kinds of other stuff. So when I did that, I decided to go with this instead. I believe we lost Thomas. <laughs> yeah, we did lose Thomas. His hard drive is going crazy. I guess Thomas was having this issue... With, um, with uh, he mentioned at the beginning of this talk, uh, podcast that we were we the next report we're going to interview uh, Ken Starks, or at least that's one of the plans we were spoke. Uh, we we had planned to do that, and he was having problems with that this afternoon. But I think this issue is his desktop. He's got only two gigs of RAM in it, so if if he fills that up, then. Uh, Windows has this too, but on a, on a Linux system, you have something called a swap partition, which basically, like, if your RAM fills up, what it does is it has a certain part of the hard drive set out to uh, uh, catch some, like, processes and stuff like that. Okay. Well, anyway, um, see you guys later. Okay. Um, and that's going to be kind of aggravating because this is happening wirelessly now, so... Um, <laughs> I just switched to my Chromebook in order to just to finish this episode out, which uh, I'm going to admit I'm very frustrated at the moment. Um, this was doing this earlier to me today, so I have to be careful, I guess, in how long I'm on um, that system or something like that. And the thing is, I wasn't having that much problems with it last couple of weeks, so... Um, It, it looks like I'm going to have to upgrade the RAM in this thing. So until then, um, we'll finish it out on this. You were talking about consoles that you'd had, classic consoles and everything else. Uh, let me see. Yeah, I was talking about the consoles that I had. I can't remember exactly where I went with it. I explained that I had an Atari 2600 PlayStation. Um, where was I going with that? You were oh, talking about my machine that I was building, because you had just talked about um, eventually getting in the system with an AMD APU. In it. Uh, what, what I was talking about, what I was getting towards, was that uh, when I built this machine, when I was deciding on what I wanted to put in there and for the hardware, I was uh, I, I basically did some research for about a year. I, I wasn't sure exactly what was going to meet my needs, and uh, I didn't know much about computer hardware in general, so I did a lot of research, did a lot of learning. Uh, it's helped me up until now. I still remember pretty much everything that I've, uh, through scouring forums and all kinds of other stuff, reading about specific pieces of hardware and stuff like that. I, my original plan was I was going to buy an AMD A8 APU and use it for a gaming desktop. And my well, my plan changed obviously because I've got an eight-core beast in here and a full dedicated GPU. But my original plan was to have an A8, and um, 
have hybrid graphics working in that, but I didn't have to worry about the issues with that, so I got this instead. And I, I moved up with various AMD products, and now now I don't have any AMD products. Um, so one one day I perhaps I will look in at some point, but for now um, I've got to do the best with what I have. Else, and speaking of money, um, guess what came in the mail recently? I saw that on uh, Google Plus earlier this afternoon. Um, it's basic. Well, I'm gonna just try to cover this up. It's basically a Mastercard, is what it is. Oh, okay. And and hopefully I covered up enough of the account number to where nobody really can use it. Um, it, it's 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 pretty nifty, and it and it, it's. It connects to your Google Wallet account. Looks like they're getting back into that kind of game again, competing possibly with PayPal. Um, Google Play and Google Wallet balances are kept separate, though, from what I've noticed so far. So, um, so those of you using the Google Opinion Rewards thing, uh, you won't be able to use 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 it. Uh, that way, but you can, however, email people money now. If you've noticed, so I may be exploring that uh, avenue and seeing what happens with it. Um, so it, it was it was free to get, so I was like, well, you know, why not? And the design looks cool, and and you can actually you can actually use your Gmail address now to kind of. Um, invoice people, I guess, for goods and services. So it's <laughs> sounds like it's going to be an interesting thing. Now, if only they brought that, if only they brought the little checkout system back. Maybe they haven't. I just don't know it yet. But they had checkout for a while, and then all of a sudden, boom, uh, they removed it. So kind of kind of off on a tangent here, but. We're going to go ahead and wrap this up before um, before all of a sudden hard drive on the other system quits thrashing and then boom, some sort of error pops up or something. Um, until I physically close that thing out and say, okay, this is done, I have a feeling it will not begin to archive it. Um, still live as of this moment, I believe. Yeah, it's, it's still showing live on Google+. Plus, so... <laughs> yeah, and so basically the only way is to wait for it to stop and then end it and then boom, which is, like I said, I'm, I'm frustrated, but um, I, I, I tried interviewing somebody earlier today and boom, was running. They couldn't see me at all or see the invite. So um, Google honestly needs to let people with the Hangout do Hangouts on air through the Hangouts app. Period, um, because doing it through the web browser is great, but there's a problem in that it does it. You know, you can do video calls with Hangouts, but it doesn't archive them, which is useless if you're in media. If you're just talking to somebody, it's fine, but it's useless if 
if you're just in doing some sort of publishing or what have you. So hopefully they get that fixed soon, or maybe they... And you can't even send them feedback through the Google Play Store because it sends you an automatic response saying this is a no-reply email. Here's some links to go to, which is not very helpful. So, um, so um, we'll see what happens with the next episode. Maybe by then... We'll have more RAM, and then I'll discover uh, I just need a different system or something. I don't know. But um, that that is absolutely frustrating. I can understand. That's, uh, that's one of the reasons why I ended up building a PC as the laptop that I had before this was the uh, other AMD system that I had. It, I had constant problems with it. It, it had four gigs of RAM. It had plenty of RAM. The hard drive wasn't bad. It was. Just, it was just. I think the main board and it was shot. So I needed something different, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I wanted a gaming PC, so I built this. And for the money, I paid roughly for this. The uh, mouse that I have here, which I bought before I built the PC, uh, the monitor, which is now fried. I have a separate monitor now. Overall, I think it was just a little under $1,000, so, I mean, it was pretty high-end budget, but I got what I wanted, and it's lasted for a couple of years. Oh, so. that's, oh that's good. Um, so, basically, I'm gonna, we're going to <laughs> end this episode. As soon as the other becomes available, what I will do is pull the video from that, merge it with this one, and then, and then we'll, we'll... I'll be able to um, basically, uh, oh man, so I'm going to be doing a bit more editing than I anticipated, but that's okay. So entertain yourself, educate yourself, empower yourselves, and for goodness sakes, if you're if you're if you're going to be doing um, our, our video through Hangouts on air, uh, make sure you have plenty of RAM. 